Welcome to the CSG Podcast. Coming to you live from the CSG Video Studios in Thornton, Colorado. Now here's your host, Jeff Morton. What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining me once again on the CSG Podcast. My name is the King of Thornton himself, Jeff Morton. I am coming to you live from Thornton, Colorado, as this is a solo podcast today. Uh, Ross Morton and uh, Nate Timmons are both out. There's no exotic place that they're at this time. Nate, I'm sure, is busy writing a new article for the CSG Podcast webpage. And Ross, I'm sure, is off studying um, to be a Buddhist monk. So uh, I wish them luck on both. Um, I, before I get started, I would like to mention our sponsor, Jake's Sports and Spirits on 3800 Walnut Street in beautiful Denver, Colorado. Um, great place to get a two-for-one uh, drink uh, deal on Tuesdays, which is perfect if you, you, know, you want to go out and uh, just hang out with some friends um, on uh, their happy hour. Also, they have the, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, they have some of the best barbecue in Denver. Um, it is simply great that they have, they have their own smoker in back, and I think everyone would absolutely enjoy um, going to Jake's Sports and Spirits. Um, when you go, ask for Jake Feinstein and tell him CSU Podcast sent you. Well, here we are again, folks. Uh, it's been a, been a couple weeks since I did a solo podcast with you. Um, the Nuggets season is in full swing, and um, they've come off a week where they lost four games and won one. Um, as of this recording, the last night, they beat the Phoenix Suns 120-104, to finally got off the schneid. Um, it mixed, intermixed in there, they had a controversial loss to the Memphis Grizzlies, um, in which the Nuggets are really right now in the midst of protesting, and we have yet to hear, hear back from them, and that was... I believe that was eight days ago that they formally protested to the uh, NBA. So we'll have to find out um, how that goes from here on. Um, a couple developments with the team as we proceed. Uh, the lineup has been rejiggered. Um, the, we have to basically officially say goodbye to the Jerkic lineup, um, which is um, met, met its demise. And um, it, it was an experiment for a while, but quite frankly, the Nuggets aren't running a a system that is conducive to running two big men. Um, it would have to be a lot slower. There would have to be a lot of pinch post action. And quite frankly, the Nuggets are running a lot of high pick and roll and doing some motion stuff. And it's just kind of one of those square peg round holes things. Quite frankly, they just have decided to junk it, and I, I honestly I don't uh, disagree with that notion at all. It wasn't working, and uh, if they're going to stick with the system they're running, they just can't, it simply can't work. So now they have uh, Yusuf Nurkic in the as the starting center role, but he's only getting like 15 minutes a game, and Nikola Jokic is coming off the bench. He's roughly getting a little more than you know, between 15 and 20 minutes a game. Uh, Michael Malone has opted to start, um, excuse me, not start, but he's opted to play Kenneth Fareed, um, what it would amount to be the closer role at center. It's still a bit of a controversial thing within Nuggets fan circles because um, despite having impressive stats last night, and we have to admit that he did play well against the Phoenix Suns, um, exceedingly well. 
Um, he is still a guy that kind of destroys spacing on offense. He kind of camps out and looks for his rebounds. And um, the Nuggets were extremely fortunate that they were playing the Phoenix Suns last night because the actual results in the fourth quarter were pretty dreadful. And the Nuggets' offense kind of drowned to a halt because they couldn't find any any space, and there was, it was a bunch of ISOs. And, you know, quite frankly, it wasn't a situation that was great. But the fact that they were playing the Phoenix Suns, who are not a good team, really kind of helped them get through that. But it is a problem that the Nuggets are going to have to face as they're going forward. Um, whether they're able to get um, enough production from their um, lineup because the first half, they were humming pretty good against the Phoenix Suns. They unfortunately didn't continue that into the second half. And it just got worse and worse and worse as it progressed. And it really, it really makes you wonder how they will be able to, you know, kind of overcome this kind of, of, of closing gap is what they got. And really, in reality, the Nuggets have a tr- have trouble with closing games. It really is a, an issue that is not going to end. And this, this is not a having a closer issue. This is a um, having a chaotic situation on the floor with yourself kind of issue. And that goes to coaching, that goes to players, that goes to everyone. Everyone is is just losing their minds in the fourth quarter. And nothing that happened in the Phoenix game actually went to dissuading me of that notion. However, the Nuggets are now 4-7. And and, um, it's it's interesting to see where they're at. There was only 4,500 fans, I would say just by an eyeball guesstimate in the in that Pepsi Center last night for a win, a Wednesday game. And when you start 0-3, this is the result that you got. I mean, there's a lot of different factors in Denver. Yes, we know that the people tend to not pay attention to teams that aren't the Denver Broncos in Denver. But, you know, you don't do yourself any favors when you start at home 0-3 and people just don't have a reason to come see you. So the Nuggets are going to have to take a lot, take some time, take some introspective time and see what they can do to restore their home court advantage. Um, They haven't been helped out by the NBA with this heavy road schedule to start the season. Um, But right now they're on a four game homestand and they should be able to get their own back a little bit. You would hope so. And they're playing a little or what I would. It started with the Portland game when they went to Portland, they played well in the first half, the first three quarters, I would say, and fell apart in the fourth. And it, it's something that, you know, you could see a good team there. I've, I've said this to many people. You can see a good team there with the Nuggets. You just need to grab a hold of it and identify it because it's, right now it's, they're just struggling with trying to get that um, consistency. And a lot of it goes to the fact that Emmanuel Moutier has not played amazing so far. He's had a one quarter that was tremendous. And then last night against the Phoenix Suns, he really kind of got it together. Um, he, his shooting, well, he was shot 7 of 17, which isn't tremendous, but he did um, have no turnovers. Now, we say no turnovers, but um, our, our colleague, uh, uh, hip old uh, ankle socks himself, Nate Timmons, 
um, did discover that the scoreboard people did miss one turnover, a pretty obvious turnover that was on Emmanuel Moutier. However, that's splitting hairs. Whether it's one turnover or zero turnovers, he did a lot better. Um, so it was good to see him kind of play within himself, and it really gave the Nuggets an opportunity to not start from a de- deficit, um, which is basically what we've been, they've been suffering through with Emmanuel so far, with him getting, you know, averaging five turnovers a game, basically. And he really, really stayed within himself in the last game, and we were all happy about that. Um, Wilson Chandler has played extremely well to the point where um, – I think everyone can acknowledge that Wilson has been the best player on the Nuggets roster in the games he's played. Um, Gallo has been, and Daniel Gallinari has been consistent, um, but the best quote-unquote player has been Wilson Chandler, and I think everyone is okay with that. Um, Wilson had 28 points last night, and he just played extremely aggressive ball, and um, yes, it was the Suns, and they're not the greatest team, but he's been doing this all year when he's been on the court. And uh, I think we should all be thankful that Wilson is playing at such a high level, despite what certain um, reporters um, who work for the Denver Post say. So um, all that being said, uh, one last subject I'd like to get to before um, I cut out of here. We're going to we're going to end tonight today with uh, about a 15 minute um, press conference today from Michael Malone um, at practice. Uh, we got to talk to him. I threw in a question there. Uh, you'll be hearing that at the end. Before I get to that, I'd like to address the Colorado Buffaloes football team. Um, they are about to play a big-time game against the uh, Uni- University of Washington State, Washington State University, Wazoo, um, up in Boulder on Saturday at 1.30. Um, they've only sold, sold 44,000 seats, and it seats Folsom Field seats 53,000 people. What the hell, people? I mean, seriously, uh, I'm going, and I think the rest of you should too. Um, let's not get caught up in um, you know this Broncos obsession. Let's let's be 100% frank here, people. The nug- the the Broncos are not playing this week. You have no excuse. There are hundreds of thousands of CU alums who live in the Denver area. You have no excuse not to attend the game. Flat out. Okay. Um, get your butts up there and get some seats and watch this exciting team that is number 10 in the college football playoff poll. If they beat Wazoo this, this week and then they beat Utah at the end of the year and if somehow they beat that really, really good Washington team in the Pac-12 championship day, game, anything can happen and you could see the Nuggets in, some, in a, an extremely major bowl and a very remote possibility as it is, but maybe challenging for that end of end of you know that college push football uh, series at the end of the year you could see that so i want all cu fans who can who can listen to this tonight to go to whatever your ticket broker is and get some tickets and get to Folsom Field for 1:30 p.m. on Saturday and watch these Colorado Buffaloes play we haven't had anything like this since 2001 get excited people all right, uh, I'm going to leave you with uh, Michael Malone's press conference from today. He had some great things to say about Emmanuel Moutier, Kenneth Fareed, um, about the Nuggets defense, and uh, Jamal Murray. But it's great stuff, as always, from Michael Malone. And I will be seeing you later. Bye. Uh, when you go back and watch what happened last night, do you, uh, what do you think? 
what did you see? You see anything different than what you thought you'd seen during the rest of the game? Well, no, I, I think the uh, the fact that our valuing of the basketball you know, was so uh, important to our game. Uh, once again, going into last night's game, we were giving our opponent 20 points a night off of our turnovers. You know, last night we give up 11. Uh, that's uh, that's a, a big improvement. Um, you know, first half defensively we were, we were good. Second half, obviously Booker, Knight, and uh, even Barbosa, you know, were able to get off a little bit. Uh, but you know, you look at the numbers going in. They were second in the league in fast break points a game at 20. We held them to eight. They were second in the NBA in paint points per game at around 50. We held them to 42. Uh, so we did some good things defensively. Um, and, and I thought offensively, I thought we had better spacing, better ball movement, and guys not trying to make the play, just making the right play. And, uh, you know, it starts with Emmanuel. I mean, I said it last night, I'll say it again. If you need your point guard to have six assists, zero turnovers, he set the tone for us. And I thought that was really important for us to get off to a great start and then continue it. And then Kenneth Freed, you know, the plays that he made in that fourth quarter when they cut it to seven were almost like game-changing, game-saving type plays. Loose ball, end one, take a charge, and kind of kill their comeback as we built it back up to double figures. You know, Kenneth Freed talked about how he was, he was demoted when he was put on the bench. He didn't take it well, but what he did was to answer it by playing well, to get himself back. When you see a player do that, what, what kind of goes through your mind in terms of do, getting back up on the right path, doing it the right way? Well, you know, we had a meeting, um, and in front of his teammates, I, I talked to him about, I know him not starting, uh, wasn't easy for him. Now, you have, a, you have a, a choice in life. You can feel sorry for yourself, or you can deal with the situation. I gave Kenneth credit uh, because... He's handled it the right way. First game of the season at New Orleans. I'm coming off the bench. He's pissed off. What does he do? He closes the game and he helps us win the game. And uh, now we've moved him back into the starting lineup. You know, uh, I made the point this morning on the radio. Everybody thinks, well, Jokic, you know, Jokic is struggling. Jokic is struggling. They, they have to remember two things. One, Wilson Chandler's playing this year. He didn't play last year. And Wilson's playing pretty much all of his minutes at the four. And Wilson's playing at a very high level. All right, so that's one thing. Number two, Kenneth Fareed right now is playing at a very high level. The guy gives us extra possessions. He's rebounding at an elite level on both ends, taking charges, blocking shots, loose balls, So, and he's making his free throws. So it's not that Nicola's not playing, you know, great, but we have some other guys that are playing pretty pretty good basketball. So, uh, yeah, but Wilson, Kenneth, uh, you know, the way they played last night allowed us to get that win. You still want Jokic at the five, yeah? Yeah. I mean, that's what he played last night. You know, we started Nurk, and Nurk had, I think, you know, uh, a couple of rebounds. He had four assists, wasn't able to finish inside. He did some good things. Nicole did some good things. But Kenneth, his athleticism and versatility on defense against those attacking guards just uh, allows, uh, allows us to be a little bit more effective to close games. And that's what I've done probably three or four of our games so far. You, um, every young player has ups and downs back to Moody taking care of the basketball is that where it starts to smooth out the roller coaster ride or, or yeah somewhere else? I think so I mean obviously uh, going into the game last night he was around five turnovers per game and then his assist for maybe a three and a half so as a point guard you never want to have a negative assist turnover ratio three to one is 
ideal. Two to one is good, and obviously less than one to one is not not good. So for him, yeah, it has to start with valuing the ball, and then the second thing it has to start with is you know just shot selection, taking good shots, taking shots that uh, you know off a of ball movement, stepping in with confidence, and you're open. So. I thought, you know, he got 17 shots up last night, but I didn't think he was coming out forcing the issue. I got to get I gotta get my shots. My message to him has been, listen, you have to think, let me be a playmaker first and a scorer second. And if he does that, I think it benefits him, but more importantly, I think it benefits the team. And I think every great guard, his job early in the game is to get his teammates going, get this guy an easy look, get this guy a shot get them going, now your job becomes that much easier as the game goes along. And I think last night was an example of that. So we still want him being aggressive. We still want him stepping into a shot with confidence, but value the ball and just make sure we're taking good shots. Uh, I mean, I, I've asked you before, I'm sure all these guests have asked you, how do you balance his learning experience with winning basketball? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, and last night he plays 37 minutes, and obviously I thought he played good basketball, and when you have two two guards out that are so important to what we're doing, Gary and Will, and uh, hopefully we'll get Will back in the relatively near future, but, you know, I ran basically three three guards. It was Emmanuel, Jameer, and Jamal threw Alonzo out there for a little bit to try to shut down Brandon Knight. But, you know, let's be honest, you know, if, if there's a situation where he's not playing well, or anybody else for that matter is not playing well, we have the depth to make changes and get guys out to give other guys a look. So, you know, we want to win games. You know, obviously last year, a big part of last year was culture and development. But this year, obviously, if we're healthy, you know, we feel that, you know, it needs to be about winning as well to get our fans back and to feel good about what we're trying to do here in the direction that we're heading in. So, a uh, long answer, I know, but if anybody is struggling, Mark, I think we have to look at, hey, listen, you're not playing well right now. Let's get you out and give somebody else an opportunity to play. You mentioned uh, Youssef struggling at the rim in, in last night's game. He was really good at the first four games of the season. Finishing at the rim has kind of trailed off a little bit. What is it? Is there anything you're seeing from him that he needs to work on to get back to finishing? Yeah, well, I think uh, to his credit, because he was playing so well, the teams, are, teams have been double-teaming him. And I think that's something that he's not used to. Uh, just like when a young guard gets blitzed in pick and rolls. They're not used to that. And so getting him comfortable versus a double team, which is really, uh, when you get double, that means you're doing something well. You're having an impact on the game. So now you're part of the game plan. So that speaks to his impact on the game. But now he has to get comfortable versus a double team. We have to help him out and have proper spacing when he gets doubled. And then I think the other thing is he, he needs to just slow down, take his time, and go strong. Uh, and, and he's capable of doing that because he did it to start the year. Um, you know, the good thing about Nurk is that even if he's struggling to finish, which you don't want to see, uh, he's still a more than capable rebounder and playmaker. Like I said, played 16 minutes last night, gets four assists. So he's done some good things. And obviously, we play Jokic at the five, and we close the game with Kenneth at the five. So his minutes haven't been great lately, but he's just got to try to take advantage of those minutes finish at a high level and anchor our defense and protect that rim. That, that's one thing he has to get back to also is being that rim protector, being that rim presence for us because when he does that, obviously that adds another level to our defense. You mentioned that Gallo and Wilson at the three and four is their best look. Statistically, it bears that out as well. With Will Barton out of the lineup, is it difficult to get those guys heavy minutes and still have a rotation behind it? It is because, you know, like uh, last night, like we didn't do much in practice today. We had so many guys play high minutes last night. Um, so, obviously, when, when we're healthy, the challenge is going to be, well, 
can't play all these guys. And when you have as many injuries as we have to our wings, then you're forced to play Gallo 38 and Wilson Chandler 36, which is really too many for them. And then same thing with Emmanuel, Jameer, and Jamal. I played Jameer and Emmanuel put it lot of minutes last night so that's what happens when you're injured you, you, you kind of lean on guys and last night was different because for us Adam that was like a must win we had to beat Phoenix I mean we've lost seven games we lost four in a row all seven of our losses come from teams that made the playoffs last year that's no excuse we still should have won some of those games but last night start off our four game homestand against Phoenix uh, that was a must win so I extended some guys' minutes because uh, we, we couldn't afford to lose to Phoenix at home as we start to stand. And then what did you think of Nicola's aggression over the last three-game stretch and really in this game? Because obviously the, the, the shot attempts are down, but like you said, he's doing some other things. Well, that's what Nicola is. You know, I mean, he had a great rookie year, but you know, let's not forget, he only averaged 10 points a game. Uh, his impact is not always going to be with just scoring. He, he, he's rebounding, he's playmaking. And uh, I'm not surprised because the day before we played, he had a, we, we did a lot of live stuff, five on five scrimmaging, and he was phenomenal. Running the floor hard, being aggressive to the basket, in the poster, facing up, just uh, had a great, great practice. So, uh, you know, I'm happy with the way he's playing. Uh, when he comes in the game as our backup five, I'm trying to get him more looks on the elbows, in the post, in the high post, because when he has the ball in his hands, you know, you, you feel very comfortable as a coach. So. Uh, hopefully he can continue that, and uh, when he's playing well, well, we'll ride him. You know, that late in that game, I just wanted to get Kenneth in the game because their downhill attack guards, you know, uh, were just kind of getting by our first line of defense. I thought Kenneth could handle that a little bit better. Last night, uh, is it on? <laughs> Testing. Um, last night, the Nuggets, uh, you guys were able able to win despite uh, Knight having a whole bunch of points and Booker like going off in the second half. Was that a concern defensively that like these guys were able to do that, or was it encouraging that you were able to win despite the, the you know two guards going off? Like that? Yeah, obviously, uh, I thought our first half defense was really good, held them to around I think around 42 percent from the field, uh, and as you mentioned, a night even got off in the first in the first half, and I was happy when Earl Watson took him out because he was kicking our butt. Uh, but when you had three combo Barbosa add to the mix, because I thought he hurt us with Booker and Brandon Knight, you know, yeah, it's a concern because uh, they were able to exploit our pick and rolls high inside. Um, you know, fourth quarter, they shot it well. They only got took 14 shots. They're 9 of 14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, so they didn't get a lot of shots up, but they, they did so very efficiently. So, yeah, defense isn't where it needs to be. Uh, I thought the good things were we did a much better job protecting our paint, did a much better job of limiting them in transition, uh, and we kicked their butt on the glass. But one-on-one -on -one defense, too many blow-bys. We gave up 16 blow-bys last night. Just one-on-one -on -one defense getting beat off the bounce. That can't happen. So our defense will always start on the ball. So by no means are we satisfied or happy. Um, but there were some positives, which we watched, and there were some negatives one-on-one -on -one and pick-and-roll-wise, especially that we watched today, and hopefully we can clean up tomorrow night against another tremendous backcourt in Lowry and DeRozan. When you see the blow-by, when you have the blow-by stack, and then you know you have Jamar DeRozan coming to town and what he's done to start the season, uh, how, how, many night, how many sleepless nights is that kind of? Well, the big thing with Jamar, so he leads the league in scoring right now, uh, and he, you know, obviously he's a guy that lives with the mid-range shot. And so on paper, the shot that you want to live with, analytically speaking, is the mid-range pull-up. Well, that is his strength, so we have to try to limit that. The other thing he does a great job of is he lives at the foul line. I mean, so can we defend DeMar DeRozan by 
keeping him off the foul line? Can we keep him out of our paint in that mid-range shot? And, uh, you know, Lowry is a, is a very good player, but obviously DeRozan is the guy that is carrying them right now. They're going to come in here angry. They've lost two games in a row to two very good teams in Cleveland and Golden State. But, you know, uh, we can't let uh, DeRozan come out in that first quarter and dominate us and score 14 points like he did up in Toronto. We made a great comeback. They closed the game on a 12-3 run. Um, and it was all DeRozan and Lowry down the stretch. So we'll have our hands full, but uh, we have to help our smalls. You know, when you're guarding the leading scorer in the NBA, it's not just on whoever we put on him. Obviously not having Gary and Will hurts in that regard because you want to wear him down. But that's where Wilson Chandler's versatility comes into play. Wilson guarded their power forward, he guarded their small forward, and he guarded their two guard last night. And uh, he said he didn't get tired until we put him on Booker because he was running around a lot more. But, you know, um, it'll, be, it'll be a challenge. I mean, they're, they're a heck of a backcourt. And when, I think when you play against a team like Toronto, you can't let, A, a third scorer get going. DeRozan, by, by sheer volume, is going to get points. I mean, we can have a great game plan, but he's going to get his looks. Larry as well. Uh, as well. But that's where you can't let Valanciunas, Terrence Ross, Patrick Patterson. Now if you get a third scorer in the game, now it becomes that much tougher. So, uh, but hopefully we'll, we'll give them some different looks and try to shut down DeRozan especially. One, one last point of how do you think he's dealing with the frustration of the rough patches and how is your patience dealing with the frustration with, with the rough patches? Yeah, I think they go hand in hand. I mean, like, uh, I'm, I'm, one thing I said going into the year is, you know, I have to be, you know, more positive and more level. You know, I, I can't get too high and I can't get too low. And that's from a collective standpoint. We lose four in a row. There's no gloom and doom drop our heads. No, we're not going to drop our heads. We're going to continue to teach, continue to clean things up and work and, and try to improve every day. And the same thing with Emmanuel. I think he's he's had some really good moments. He's had some moments where he hasn't played well. He's very hard on himself. So it doesn't help if I come in and hammer that over the head. I have to uplift. And we have to come up with a plan to help him. And uh, you know, he's more than willing to, to participate in his own recovery. And uh, we have a great staff that spends a lot of time with him one-on-one, film-wise, and talking with him about how he can play better and be an improved player. And, uh, and that's what he wants. He wants to win. He wants to play better. So I have patience, He's, uh, and he, he, he feels that. I think everybody's, no one's getting too down on each other and, uh, because we all need each other at the end of the day, Mark. It's, uh, we knew when the schedule came out it was going to be a really tough beginning of the year. All right, we're, we're 11 games in now. we got a, we're in the middle of a four-game homestand. Let's take it one day at a time and continue to improve. And I think Emmanuel is, uh, is buying into that and wants that. You know, he wants to be a great player, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get there.